All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Huddle. I'm your host, Eric McNeil, and today we actually have uh, a new guest uh, that we don't typically interview, but I'm super excited about this. We have Hawaii-born number 13 featherweight fighter in the world, black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Dan 50K Ige. What's up, Dan? What's up, Eric? Yeah, not much, man. Just... You know, sitting here in between training sessions, I got another big fight coming up, so knocking out some of this PR stuff, but I'm just happy to be talking to you. Yeah, man, and we're super excited to have you. Um, bro, we uh, we have a lot to dive into. Like, like I said, this is the first time uh, being able to interview a UFC fighter. We've traditionally had, you know, NFL athletes, NBA athletes, a couple of agents, and so this is a big one for all of us listeners to really get inside your head and get inside the octagon um, because, you know, most sports where we're interviewing is team-based and this one is very specific to you as an individual, but we understand that you can't be where you're at without a team, right? In your camp. 100%. You know, it is an individual sport, but I would not be where I am today without my team. I've had a, you know, a circle of people around me that helped me get to where I am today. You know, when I when I first moved here to Las Vegas, I literally had nothing. I had $27 in my pocket. I flew to Las Vegas. I slept on my buddy's couch who was in the UFC, Brad Tavares. He let me stay on his couch. And I just got to work, man. And, and, it, and it took a team to help build me, help me grow, help develop my skills, help, you know, keep the, the right people around me and keep the wrong people away. And I can't tell you the importance of having a team to, you know, get to the highest level as, as possible. And, you know, it is an individual sport, but you know, I wouldn't be here without my team. Right. Yeah, man. And it, and that's crazy. It's, it's so cool to see like how vicious, right. Your sport is. Um, but there's so many guys that have that similar background where they're just like, you know, I didn't have a lot and I came in here because it's a passion and, and now all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they're able to make something of themselves. And so I'm really, really interested in hearing your story, your journey, um, obviously what 50K stands for, right? Why, why is that your nickname? Yeah. And just share a little bit, man, about your background and kind of what shaped you into the man you are and the fighter you are today. Yeah. So, you know, growing up in Hawaii, it's just at, at the time when I was in high school, VJ Penn was a was the champion. He was the lightweight champion, welterweight champion of the UFC. He was a guy from Hawaii, from Hilo. So he kind of put Hawaii on the map. He gave us all a reality check, you know, like that this dream of, you know, fighting in the UFC is possible because we saw a Hawaii boy do it. And he gave us all that, that spark and he gave us all a dream. And, you know, just growing up in Hawaii, it, it seems to be like a culture. Fighting is kind of morphed into the culture in Hawaii. You don't, you don't hear about a lot of gang fights or gun fights. Like people, you go to school, like every single day when I went to school, I was scared of getting in a fight. So that's why I basically started training because I was, uh, you know, I was the quiet kid at school and the quiet kid, you know, tends to get bullied. Um, I always stood up for myself, but you know, I, I, it came to a point where like, dude, I'm fighting like 200 pounds Samoan dudes and I'm a buck 30. And I better learn how to defend myself. So I started training, started training with my friend in his backyard. And that's all we did, man. We, we started in jujitsu and eventually I got into wrestling later, later in my life. I started in my junior year of high school and then kind of went slowly into MMA. I wrestled two more years in college in Waverly, Iowa at Wartburg. And then after that, I took my first amateur fight and I just fell in love with it, man. It became a dream and that burning desire just got me to where I am today. Okay, nice. And so I can only imagine, man, because there, there are some big boys out there, you know, and that's funny you mentioned BJ, like, bro, that was that was my guy, man. Like back when I would watch, he, he was one of the guys that I kind of fell in love with the sport because of the way he he was so dominant. No one can get past his guard ever, right? He never loses. And so... I actually remember getting like the the Ruka shorts with like his belt around, right? Like that yeah. was like the big yeah. thing, getting like the Penn Hawaii Ruka shorts. So like I, I love that. Um, so when you started to go into like the the amateur fighting, you mentioned wrestling. Um, you're a pretty successful wrestler as well. So like what what would you say was kind of like the foundation? Was it wrestling and then 
like did BJJ come shortly after? Did some stand-up kickboxing? Like what would you say is kind of like your expertise and like your, your go-to if needed? So it's kind of funny because I actually started in jiu-jitsu. And then when I went into high school wrestling, I had bad habits because in jiu-jitsu, you, it's, it's okay to be on your back. And in wrestling, that's the last place you want to be is be on your back because you're getting pinned and that's how you lose. Um, so I, I went into wrestling with this weird jujitsu hybrid grappling. And I was like, okay, like I had skills, I had explosiveness, I had talent and athleticism. But my first year wrestling was like the worst year. And I, I can't tell you how many times I, I got pinned <laughs> because of, you know, just because of jujitsu and being comfortable on my back. Then my, my senior year, my second year of wrestling, I, I played six in states. I lost in the semifinals in overtime and basically just went downhill after that um, and lost every match. But after that, I, I, I proceeded. I wanted to – that loss, like, sparked something in me, and I wanted to continue on with with that, you know, kind of passion and dream. And, and I went to I went to Iowa. I figured – I was like, if I'm going to get good at wrestling, I got to go somewhere that's hard and cold and <laughs> – yeah. breeds wrestlers so i thought yeah, everyone Iowa. wrestles <laughs> yeah so i went to iowa and again my first year there i was just getting beat up every single day in the room because you got guys that have been wrestling since they were four years old these right. guys are three-time four-time state champs going into college and that room was just so tough you know they i i, I think they have like 16 national championships d3 but they're, they're very dominant and they, you know, they compete with very, you know, high level D1 schools as well when, when they do some of those cross competitions. But um, that's where I, I learned to wrestle. That's where I got my mindset. But I didn't really get the mindset till after because I didn't I didn't believe in myself. then. I, I went through the motions. I did everything right. I showed up. I worked hard, but I didn't have that belief because I listened to that lie inside my head that because these guys wrestled since they was four years old, like, and I started in 11th grade that I couldn't be successful. So I, I went through the motions, my second year wrestling, I, I did way better. I still lost a ton of matches way more than I won. And I, after that, I just kind of took a step back. And I that's when I did an MMA fight. And it was after my first MMA fight is when I truly felt like that was my purpose. And I went all in on the MMA aspect. Dang. Yeah, that's, man, you, you picked the right space to go if you want to go learn how to wrestle, man. <laughs> for sure. For sure. That, that's all they know. That's all they know, right? And so, no, that's super cool. Um, so walk us through when, when you started realizing, like, once you got into, like, the amateur fighting, when did becoming a pro and UFC and these things, when did that become a reality like when when did you feel like okay like i've got what it takes and like i can make this happen so my amateur career i had 11 amateur fights i went nine and two i lost like two decisions and it's so easy to lose the decision as an amateur because three minute rounds you get taken down once you basically lose the fight um so i went nine and two as an amateur and then i turned pro and i think it was my pro, my first pro fight when when i realized like you know, this is, this is where I'm going to go. I was so, I never experienced like nervousness in my life, like going into competition. I was so nervous for my, my first pro fight. And I don't know if it was the shift of just amateur to pro, just the name. I put way more pressure on myself. And I remember waking up that morning of the fight, like just sick to my stomach. And I, I, I thought it was a weight cut, but as I, you know, learned Throughout, throughout my life, that was just nervousness and anxiety. Um, I tried to do everything I could to like feel better. I remember jumping in the ocean, taking essential oils, drinking water, drinking electrolytes, couldn't feel better. And I remember walking to the venue, just wanting, trying to find a way out of the fight, basically, like thinking of like thoughts in my head, like I should break this car window and just get arrested and not have to fight, like thinking crazy thoughts. And eventually, uh, yeah, we got to the venue. I'm in the back, still sick and nervous, like not feeling good. I'm like, this is not how I want to feel going into a fight. And I remember just turning it around, like having that mindset shift last second as I'm walking out to the cage. Um, and I won that fight, third round submission. I felt like crap the whole fight, but I won that fight, third round submission. And that was it for me. That was when I knew I could, 
I could still perform on my absolute worst day. And that's when it became a dream for me. And I just pursued full time after that. Dang. And do you still get those feelings? Like, or is that, is that something like, uh, not a talent, but like something that you can work to overcome or do you still get that? Or do you, are you able to kind of like push it down? I, I still get it. And I, I, I thought they would go away as you become more experienced, but you still get that nervousness and anxiety leading up to a fight, especially like the, for me, it's long-term. Like the day I signed the contract, let's say eight weeks, 12 weeks out from the fight, I get those butterflies and that nervous feeling. And like, I'm laying in bed and my heart's pounding. Cause maybe I feel like I didn't do enough that day or I ate something that I shouldn't have ate. Um, but that's where the work ethic and discipline comes in to just instill that belief in my mind. And everything I do today is just to fuel my belief when I step in that cage. It, everyone has their own philosophies and how they should train. And I, that's where I've learned a lot from my, my mistakes is I listen to others, you know, throughout my whole career. I listen to, you know, how certain champions may have done it in their career. And I tried to follow that bl blueprint. But at the end of the day, it's what you truly believe in your heart and what and building that team as we were talking about building that team around you to where we all have the same mindset and the same belief going into the fight to have the best outcome to be in the moment because those nerves that anxiety like that that doesn't go away and i i think that's i think when it does go away is when it's time to hang it up yeah well that's that's funny somebody uh in the football world they they asked richard sherman about like those butterflies before a big game. He said the same thing. He was like, like, do you still get it? And he's like, of course I do, man. Like you're about to go lay it all out there. Like you're playing it like a high level against the greatest in the world. And the day you don't feel that, like you're done, right? Like you yeah. kind of lost a little bit of that passion, you know? And so um, question. So about your current fight, once you sign your contract, how far are you into your camp and when's your fight? So I'm fighting September 23rd. I'm fighting Bryce Mitchell. He's number 12. I'm number 13 for the co-main event. And uh, in Las Vegas, we're fighting at the Apex, which is a smaller venue. They, they built it during COVID to like keep putting on fights. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big fight. You know, my last, I'm on a two fight win streak. I, after I came off, you know, my, my three fight losing skid, which was a hard time in my life, which I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah, I'm back on a two fight win streak and I'm finally moving back up the back up the ladder. So uh, I'm super excited for it. And uh, we're about six weeks out right now. So this is a uh, it's balls to the wall right now. It's go time. Yeah. I'm training hard. My body's tired, but I, I can't wait to go out there and just give my best effort and perform. That's so cool. I, I actually have so many questions around like where you're at right now. Just the mind, the body. Um, it's one thing to get ready to go into this fight, but like you said, um, you're kind of coming off a little bit of a skid, right? And, and that doesn't really mean anything to like who you are as a fighter. It's just sometimes that's the way it goes, you know, and in life, sometimes you get kicked in the mouth a little bit and you have these little, you know, setbacks and it's like how you can persevere through those. So can you help me understand, um, and I think the best way, honestly, to get into this is, is being vulnerable, right? And so yeah. um, can you share with us a little bit, like, what goes through your mind um, during this? Because, like I said, with, with you as a fighter, it's still a profession. And so with us in life, in real life, and in our careers, you could have a couple of losses, right? Like, yeah. and it could really hurt your confidence, but what what do you hold true like what do you hold inside to keep you going through that little skid and like know that you have the ability to turn it around so yeah thank you um let me i i will backtrack a little bit back to june 2021 that's when i experienced my first loss as a father so my my son he he's two and a half years old he was born in april 21 and I, I had just fought in March when my wife was 36 weeks pregnant and I got a sweet knockout, a first round knockout, got a 50K bonus and life was good. And I, I, I made a call out and weeks later, my, my wife gave birth and I got a call in the hospital, you know, with the fight that I asked for, main event, Korean zombie. So I felt like in a position where I couldn't say no. It was a great opportunity to go out there. And I saw it as like a win over him, 
gives me that shot at the title, which, you know, is the overall goal. And I went into that fight. Uh, they gave me 12 weeks to prepare. So the first four weeks was crazy because my wife had just given birth. I was like, I'm going to make sure that I support her and just be there for her, you know, as we're experiencing this new life in our household. And I think I had a, you know, I put a different pressure on myself. You know, now that I'm actually a dad, I made this about, you know, providing for him. Um, even though I'm already doing that by going to work every day, training every day, stepping in the cage, like I'm already providing, but in the UFC, we got to show money, we got to win money. So that I'm already kind of counting that money in my head because now that's like, that's his, you know, I, I want to build this, build my family. And I worked so hard going into that fight, the hardest I ever worked. And I made it this special thing that it's an important, this is what I've learned now, but it, it's an important fight, but I made it extra special. And that, that, that making it special in my head put this enormous amount of pressure on myself to go out there and essentially took away from me performing at my best. And I remember going into that fight and I lost, like I worked so hard, but I lost on technical things and it sucked in the moment, but I I took the loss very hard because at that time, you know, my identity had always lied in between winning and losing and losing becoming a father, like becoming a father and then losing, I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure for my son. I felt like a failure for my family. Even though I went home, they still loved me the same, you know, that they've seen me lose before. And I just took it extra hard on myself. And I wanted to like, I wanted to get it back right away. So I remember I took another fight um, in December. And that whole time preparing for that fight, I was just so in my head thinking about like the loss and like I couldn't be present with my family. Anytime I got to spend with my son, my newborn son, like I miss a lot of his newborn life. I was there physically, but my mind was somewhere else because I wasn't able to be present. I was, um, what I know now is I was in a depressed state and my mind was somewhere else. It was in the past or it was in the future. It was all over the place. And so I, I went into that fight in December, and I remember walking walking out in the T-Mobile Arena. It sold out. It's a, it's a big pay-per-view card, end of the year. And I was so numb. I didn't, have, I didn't have nerves. I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have, like, I was just numb, and I had no feeling. And I went in there, and I fought, I fought a good fight. I, it was a very close fight. I, I lost the decision, split decision. Again, a, one of those fights that maybe could have been swayed my way, but if it was different judges, but at the end of the day, I lost. And again, I took that upon myself and I felt like a failure, felt like a failure. And I just, I felt like I had to get another one. So I got another fight in June, 2022. And I did that one. They gave me 17 weeks to prepare and I, I did everything possible. And I was I fought some Russian guy and he was undefeated. And I had this like Rocky mindset. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to fly to Colorado I'm going to go train in the Rockies and I'm going to do everything old school and just work super hard. And there's no way I could lose because I've never lost twice in my life. So I can never lose three times. That was my mindset. And I left my family. I went to Colorado. I trained, went through that fight. I was so mentally burnt out the day I got to the fight and I was in the best physical condition of my life, mentally hit the floor and was behind the whole fight, got beat up the whole fight. And that that was when I realized this is not about working hard. This is not about, you know, doing the right things because I do everything right. It's, it, it, became, it became a mental thing. And that's when I learned, you know, that's when I started going to therapy. That's when I started learning about my mind and learning about my thoughts and like believing in certain thoughts that we have because we all, you know, we all have negative thoughts and you just can't buy into them. Like, I, I don't know the amount of thoughts, 50, 250,000 thoughts or whatever we have a day, but there's a lot of thoughts that go, that run through our mind. And that's when I started realizing like a greater purpose to this. So I, and um, that's when a, a buddy of mine from church, you know, he started coming over to my house every day and we would talk about these thoughts and 
that's when I realized expressing myself and being vulnerable and having some humility and like just realness speaking about these things that I'm experiencing um, helped me. It helped me be better when I go to the gym. It helped me be better when I'm at home being a dad, being a husband. It helped me be become present. We, we come, he'd come over to my house every single day and we would do ice baths and we'd just talk about this. And that's when I learned how to become better at being in the moment and shifting from like when I'm a fighter to shifting to when I'm a dad to when I'm a husband and realizing my identity doesn't lie between winning and losing. My identity is, you know, Dan Ige. My identity is a husband, a dad, you know, a Christ follower. And those, those are what really matters and th those values, right? And how I can essentially use, now use my platform to, to share this message. And, you know, fighting is what I get to do. That's what, that's the fun part, but it, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it was a crazy journey. It, it sucked at the time, but I'm I'm honestly really grateful for that for that losing skit because I wouldn't have learned these tools and these tools that can essentially help you know hundreds hundreds of thousands millions of people around the world to just hear what I've been through and then be able to relate on a human level that you know we're not the only one going through this. You know, we're all going through this at some point in our lives and you know, we can all get better from it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I think adversity, um, it sucks, man. Adversity sucks when you're in it. Like there's no other way to put it. It's so hard, but it truly is the greatest teacher, you know, like it helps us learn so much about ourselves. And, you know, I talk to people a lot, like I'm in a mentorship capacity. And when I talk to people that are going through things you know, I often kind of tell them, don't waste it. Like, don't waste a good opportunity to learn. And so question to you, Dan, is, you know, you're in this camp, you're and, and I do appreciate you taking time out of camp to, like, have this interview and help people because really your mindset right now is 100% different than when you're not in camp. And so yeah. I think this is a very rare opportunity to be able to chat with you. And so what have you learned in your previous camps that you are doing different and or the same in this camp? Because the last one you were at your peak physical, but mental was low and it didn't go in your favor. So what yeah. are you doing today and in this camp that is different from the previous ones? So, you know, it's just, it really comes down to two things. You know, the only two things that we could truly control is basically where we place our attention and where we place our effort. Um, everything out, outside circumstances, things beyond my control, that's what it comes down to just letting go of those things. And for the longest time, I tried to have control of everything, every circumstance, every moment. And that's what drains your mental energy. So it's where I place my energy, the things, you know, where, where I'm putting my attention, where I'm put, putting my effort. And as, as long as I'm giving my best effort in the gym, I'm showing up every day, staying accountable, being disciplined. And when I'm at home, being the best husband I can be and being the best father I can be, that's when I feel my best mentally. And then everything else beyond that, it's beyond my control. And I know that when I walk into that cage, that I've done everything right, that I can, that I've done everything that I can control, that I can do, that I can just go in there and be free and give my best effort. And the result is, is the result. You know, that's, that's it. There's still that little bit of like, you want to win so bad because it's still important for me to win. But the, the, the furthest away I can start to separate myself from that, the better I do at being in the moment. And I think it's just something I'm continuing to get better at over time. And, you know, now I'm back on a, on a good little winning streak. But I, I feel like every time I get in that cage, I'm just so in the moment. And I'm two for two so far. So I'm, I'm looking to make it three for three uh, next month. And, yeah, I can't, I can't wait, man. That's so exciting, man. Um, yeah, I, one, one thought I had uh, is so funny. I think I've shared this before on here, but um, I use that a lot, like controlling what you can control. And, um, and, I, and I use this example with my sister. We've all heard the, the analogy, like don't cry over spilled milk. And uh, my sister, I was at home. I think she was in high school, maybe like, I think it was around that time frame. And she was just like complaining about something with my mom. And they're just kind of like, this is going on, blah, blah, blah. 
and I was eating my cereal and I just kind of like looked over and I just like poured milk on the ground and they just both like stopped and looked at me. I'm like, what do we do? Like, we're going to cry about it. We're just going to clean it up. Yeah. And they, and then she just started laughing and and it's funny. She, bro, this was like 12, 15 years ago. And she like still brings it up about like how sometimes like just realizing like, dude, like, you can only control what you can control. Don't cry about yeah. the situation, right? Just like yeah. get to it, go fix it and just go be like yeah. the best that you can be, you know? I think, you know, what it comes down to, like, you know, circumstances in general are hard. You know, everyone has a different circumstance, but we all deal with it similar, similarly. I can't say the word, you know what I'm saying? Um, and pain is pain. You know, we, we experience pain, we experience internal pain, but how do we, you know, how do we deal with those circumstances and situations? Because, um, I, and perspective, perspective is everything. So when I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, back when I was in Utah, I went to the children's hospital and I was talking to this kid. He had, uh, he had, he, he had cancer, but he was a baseball player and he had, uh, he had a growth in his arm. So they, he had cancer, uh, it was bone cancer. So they had to like, you know, take out something from the bone from his arm, take out a piece from his leg and replace it. And then put him on chemo. And I was talking to him, this kid was like 13 years old. And, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not very good at just like talking with people, like if, especially if I don't know him, but I was, I was talking with him and talking with his family and we got like in a really deep conversation and, you know, they asked me for like some kind of advice to like, how, how, how do we get through this? And I, I was explaining how, you know, his, his stories, maybe he'll, he'll never play baseball. Maybe he will, you know, maybe he'll overcome this, but his story of his perseverance of getting up every single day and staying resilient, being able to bounce back after you fall is, is what's going to, you know, encourage and motivate millions of people around the world his story is so encouraging and i remember we were just like we we all had a moment where we just started crying and i was talking to him about perspective because i remember there was a day when i was driving home from training it was like one of my last it was my last training camp and it was my last two hard sessions before my fight and i remember driving home and i was so physically sore and mentally drained and everything every fiber in my body hurt because i'm putting myself through the ringer and my mind was just like in this crazy place like this pity me place and i started having this perspective shift because my my mother-in-law she just got on dialysis she just actually had heart surgery yesterday quadruple bypass and she made it through praise god and but I was thinking about on a perspective level, I'm feeling this way because I'm, I'm very privileged to go out and work hard every single day for my family and put my body through physical distress to get in the best shape as possible. And I'm over here complaining where she's physically in this debilitating, like, I can't, again, can't talk. She's in this pain. <laughs> that she can't get out of bed and even go for a walk. And I was thinking of the perspective, like what I get to do is a privilege. What I get to do by going out every single day is, is literally a privilege. It's a gift from God that I get to go out and use my talents and work hard for my family and perspective is everything. And, and I think that's so important to like keep in mind when we're going through hard things is perspective and and also that circumstances are hard, but we can't let the circumstance dictate our actual effort in, in, in our day-to-day life. Yeah, and again, uh, you you kind of mentioned a couple of things. I just want to say, you know, prayers to your family and, and your mother-in-law. That's thank you. That's a scary time, man. So happy happy to hear that you know she's okay, recovering. So you know, prayers to speedy recovery to the family. Um, and, and you talk about perspective, bro, and that's that that's one thing that I just pray that everybody listening can never, never lose. Right. That's, that's one of the one things in this life that you actually have control over is how you perceive your reality. And if, if it doesn't matter if you're at the highest high or the lowest lows, it's always, you know, praise God when you're on top and, and ask for God's help when you're in this trenches, right. Whether you believe in God or not, like 
we understand that we're nothing, right? Like you and I are no different. Um, And, you know, we need, we need that in our life, you know? And if, and if we lose that edge mentally of our perceived reality, that's where things go hard. Like, bro, I've been laid off. I've said, I've been told no in interviews. Like I've been cut from teams. I've, you know, I've had losses, but I've always known what I'm capable of. I know who I am to the core. Some people can, you know, confuse um, confidence with arrogance, right? But I I make, I have a very, very high uh, self-awareness of what I'm, what I'm capable of. And I think that is truly a blessing to have a perception that everything's okay. You know, and if Mm -hmm. I talk to my wife a lot about, again, control, uh, controlling things you can, and I asked her, you know, if, if something's bothering you, just ask yourself one question. And it's, can I do anything about it? If you can, yeah. do it. And if you can't, then forget it, right? You you yeah. like you yeah. can't control it. So why is it bothering you? So yeah. I really think that's big, man. I, I think that perception of reality is is everything. Yeah, of course, hundred uh, percent. I used to always say, you know, perception is reality. And it really does come down to that of how we perceive certain things. And like, you know, it always comes down to just like, it's so much easier sometimes said than done because, you know, control the things that you can control, you know, let go of the things you can't, but we just tend to grab on to the things that we can't control like naturally. And mm-hmm. it becomes a tool. It's a skill and it's, it can be developed, you know, with practice. And when you start practicing, you know, how, uh, Practicing letting go, practicing be, becoming present. Pra- you know, when you start feeling these certain feelings of res- resistance, it's like how do how do we let go of this and get away? So like like things that I like to do, like I'll go uh, if if I'm in some kind of like heated situation, I'll, I'll just take a step back and I'll I'll go do three minutes of box breathing and I'll do all nasal. So what that is, you know, like a four second inhale, a four second hold four second exhale, four second hold. And I'll do that for like three minutes and I'll come back and my mind will be present and I'm not worried. And those are just like, that's just an example of something that I would do in a situation where things are getting heated. I'm trying to control everything. And I just have to take a second to just get back and and get back into the moment. And there's so many tools out there, you know, doing ice baths, you know, going for walks. I, I, I do gratitude walks where I'll literally, I'll just go for a walk and I'll just start naming things that I'm grateful for and praying. And, you know, that's, that's huge for me, obviously my, you know, my relationship with God, but just being grateful, um, start naming the things that you're grateful for and you could just watch the magic happen right away. It's instantaneous when you start truly expressing the things that you're grateful for. And, and believing it and feeling it and feeling that gratitude in your heart. And when you have gratitude in your heart, it's impossible to have any type of anxiety or fear or resentment or anger because that's just how the chemicals in your brain work. Yeah. It's, it, no, it's so funny. Like literally it's like right before this, um, I was working on my laptop with something and it was like, starting to bug me and it was like glitching out. And it, Cause if it's not plugged in and it turns off and it was like 40% battery and I was like, gosh, I hate this stupid thing. And then I stopped and I was like, but I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful that I have you, but you pissed me off. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I've like wired yeah. myself to be so grateful for things because look, like, yeah, that can be annoying. But if I didn't have it at all, I just think of like how like that thing provides so much more value than like an occasional headache that like yeah. you, just, you have to live that way, man. And you're not, you're not wrong for having those feelings because that's normal. That's natural. And like having grace for yourself, like, yeah, I, 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 I do, I, I do it all the time. I could preach this, but like, dude, I'll get angry with my wife, like, or something she says in the wrong tone. Like my, the way our brains will just grab onto that. And like, you just start holding this like grudge or resentment inside of you. It's, it's so much easier said than done, but it, it's, it's literally, uh, you know, having grace for yourself is, is huge. And that's, I don't know why it's so hard, but you got to have some great crazy, bro. I know it's so funny as I'm like getting to know you and we've chatted a little bit before we met like a couple weeks back, you are a very, just like calm spirit, like a, like a nice, good guy. 
I can't see you. It's crazy. Like I see you in the in the octagon and you're a beast, and then you talk to you as a human being, and you're just like calm as water, man. Like what? How do you flip that switch? Like when you get in there, is it is it a sport and like it's just art for you? Like I know a lot of people just go in there and it's just a brawl, but like for you, I just I feel yeah. like it's just art, man. Like how do you how do you do it? You know, I I, I always like to say I'm only a serial killer three times a year. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's just flipping the switch, you know, I, and it, it's a skill that I, I've, I've built upon over time. I used to, let's say going into a fight week where I'd just be so like, like this and serious the whole time, you know, it's just, it's all about having fun and enjoying the process. If you like take away and like, you're not enjoying the process, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna really do your best in your field. So I, um, I try to have fun with it. Even when it gets hard, I try to experience and, and, and make it fun, make it joyful, uh, um, make it playful in the training. And at the same time, I'm working, I'm working as hard as I can. But the only, th the only time that matters is that 15 minutes when I step in the octagon as soon as that cage door closes. So the, the better I can get at turning the switch the, last, the very last minute, the better I'll perform because that mental fuse of staying focused is very hard to stay focused. Like if you just, if I just told you like focus on your feelings for like two minutes, like you would lose focus and start thinking of other things. Like it's literally a skill to stay and remain focused and remain in the moment. So outside of the fight, like my fight's six weeks away. Why worry about it? Why stress about it? Why get, you know, worked up about it? When right now I could, you know, I could be talking to you. Uh, I got a training session in a couple hours and, you know, I'm just having fun with this whole process, enjoying this because there's going to be a day when I don't get to do interviews anymore. There's going to be a day where I don't sign posters anymore going into my fight. So literally each and every step of this, of this process, like I, I see so many fighters complain on fight week that they have to go do the photos. They have to do the autograph signings. Like, no, I get to do these things. And I have fun doing it, and it's part of my, it's, you know, it's part of my, my, my life, my passion, my livelihood, and I get to take care of my family doing it. So I think that's what it is for me, and it's, it's definitely a skill that I, I've learned and I'm getting better at as I go. That's a huge skill is substituting uh, got to with or have to with get to, right? When you can, yeah. that's another trick for gratitude, right? Is yeah. When you have to go to work versus I get to, it changes everything. I was, I w when I was a nine to fiver, I was the same guy, TGIF and I hate Mondays, you know, the weekend's over. But now as a business owner, I'm like, bro, the banks are closed on Saturday and Sunday. That means I get paid on Mondays. I love Monday. Yeah. Like let's get yeah, to yeah. it. Right. And so you change have to with get to, and, and it's, it's, it's everything. Um, yeah. You were talking, it's, it's, I have a question, bro. That's, the one thing, there's probably a few things, but the one major thing where I just like, there's no way I could fight in the UFC ever in any capacity is when you see these guys with like a busted nose or like the big knot and they start pushing on it and you guys don't even like wince or move. I'm like, you have like a cut. Like I'd be like, yeah. come on, be delicate. But like, or like you got a broken nose and they're just like pushing on it or pushing on these knots. I'm like, dog, like... <laughs> That would be so painful. Like, have you had that happen? Are, are you just tough or do you not feel it? Like, nah, what happened? Yeah, I, got, I have many scars. You know, I got a scar here, a scar here. I've been cut in a lot of fights. It's, you, you're right. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a fun thing when you, when you have to go back to the corner and you only have a minute and your coach is trying to talk to you and you have the cut man. I literally had a cut man in my last fight. He had his, I'm pretty sure he had his foot in my chest. Cause I wanted to be down here to, so it could keep me upright. And he had that freaking thing pressing on my eye and my coach was trying to talk to me at the same time while I'm trying to breathe and recover and listen. And yeah, dude, it's, it's not fun, but it's, it's just part of, you know, it's part of the game is it could happen. You know, it could, I just, could I just don't, I just don't know if I can. Like I was, it was literally this last fight too, where I was watching, I was with you guys and, um, I can't remember whose fight it was, but he had a big old knot and they were just like pushing it, like trying to get it yeah. down. I'm like, bro, like I've had a couple of little goose eggs and if you touched it, like I would have freaked out. Like I just, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know how you get through that, man. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. So in your career, you have split five KOs, five submissions. What do you prefer, man? What's more fun for you? You know, I came up as a grappler, but I, I, I love knocking guys out. It's, it's <laughs> something about, I, I've just had this God given power that's in my hands that I'm finally learning how to use. And, but I always have that back, you know, I have that jujitsu, I have that black belt in jujitsu in my back pocket if I need it, but every fight starts on the feet. So, you know, I'll keep it there for a bit, but you know, I like to mix it up, but it's something, there's something so satisfying about putting a dude to sleep with uh, these four ounce pills <laughs> that we got on our hands. So, Bro, that's what I'm saying, man. And like, what, what is that experience? Like your first KO in like a big fight, right? Like, what's that like? Like I, I saw that picture, I was pulling it up and you're just like a walk-off KO and the yeah. fans just go nuts in that arena. Like, what's that like? Yeah. So my first, my first walk-off KO was when I fought Gavin Tucker. I think I knocked him out in 22 seconds. The actual time we fought was maybe like three seconds when we, when we engaged and it was the first punch I threw and it landed. And, and I remember I, I used to watch Mark hunt back in the day. And like this dude would just knock guys out and just walk yeah. away. And I was like, that's the cool. Like I, I see guys, they'll jump on the cage. They'll do flips. They'll jump on and scream. And that's, that's cool. They're in the moment. They're, they're embracing their victory, but there's something so cold when you just like punch a guy with one shot and then walk away. Like it was nothing. Like, yep. like Mike Tyson, like Mark Hunt, like these guys are just animals. And, you know, I've been blessed with that same power, I feel like. And yeah, I always, I'm looking for that next walk off KO. Oh man. <laughs> well, it's, it's that thing that they always say. It's right. It's act like you've been there. You know, it's like yeah. you score the touchdown. Yeah. Don't go crazy. It's like, what's new? Another TD, another walk off yeah. KO. Who's next? Yeah. Yeah. I expected that. <laughs> That's so dope, dude. So with that being said, this might have been it, but what 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 has been your favorite fight and or like your favorite win? I would say, um, you know, my favorite, the most satisfying victory of my career was when I fought, I knocked out Damon Jackson. That was after my three fight losing skid. It was my first win back. And that was, I got the second round, another walk off KO uh, with the left hook. And that one just felt so good. It felt so good to overcome that two-year losing skid and finally get back on the winning side. You know, the, the knockout was just the, you know, the icing on the cake. But to go out there and, and, and work my butt off for two years straight and to get a walk-off KO, just the emotions that I felt at that time was like, dude, I had tears running down my face before I could even get to the interview. And it was so satisfying and i yeah i don't i don't know that's that's probably it that's so cool man i, I just gotta think right like people learn and feel things like for different reasons you know and like yeah that win was a great win but when you tie in all the emotion and the history right it just made it so much yeah. more special um this has been really cool like I, i've loved getting to know you i really like you as a person right and this has been super cool so coming into this fight and, and other fights without having, don't worry, we won't leak nothing to, uh, to the other camp, but, uh, what, what are some things that you're kind of predicting or foreseeing for this upcoming fight next month that, that we should be paying attention to? Um, Bryce Mitchell, you know, they call him thug nasty. He, he's a very, he's a very heavy grappler, you know, a good wrestler, a good grappler is, is very obvious. You know, he's probably going to want to get the fight to the ground, which, you know, I'm dangerous on the ground as well, but it's just, it's one, you know, when you put it on paper, people will probably say this is a striker versus grappler matchup. And, you know, I, I'm more than just a striker. You know, I feel like I'm very well-rounded. You know, I have good wrestling, good striking, good jujitsu, good scrambles, good cardio. I'm probably one of the more well-rounded fighters, you know, in my division where I can be good everywhere and adapt to situations. And he's very grapple wrestle heavy you know decent like i still have to be cautious of his striking because he's still you know still dangerous still good but if anything he's gonna be looking to probably take me down i'm gonna be looking to knock him out Ooh, what what prediction do you have have you have you put thought into this are you able to share uh 
you know, I, <laughs> it, it's uh, predictions are so hard for me because I can be cocky and be like, you know, I'm going to go out there and knock them out in the first round. But mentally, I never think like that. I, th- I, I, I work like he's the best guy I've ever fought. And I always prepare my mind to go for 15 minutes because you can't, you can't go out in there and expect to knock the guy out in the first round and you don't get the knockout and then you're in hell for 10 minutes. So um, my mentality is a 15 minute war and hoping for a knockout. I love it, man. I love that. Um, so we, we are going to wrap up here in a minute. We have something very unique uh, to what's going on in, in the world today. I know that this podcast is going to be going on forever, um, but today something super relevant and uh, you know uh, an important topic is what's going on in Maui in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Um, it's our prayers, our condolences, our thoughts to so many families being uh, affected by this. And um, yeah. we have, you and I have a pretty cool opportunity here in, you know, for the next 30, 40 minutes after this call to try to bring a little bit more awareness um, to just really help where we can, man. I mean, it's, yeah. there's not a lot we can do, but if we can do what we can, that's all we could ask for. So, I mean, what, I mean, could you help share a little bit of, you know, what's going on and, and how you and I are able to kind of help, help this out and how people listening could get involved maybe? Yeah. So, I mean, basically, you know, I'm from Hawaii. I'm from Oahu. So on Maui, there's just been this devastating fire. And when I say devastating, I mean like a a firestorm. So devastating that the the sea is caught on fire. It's it's insane. The whole city of Lahaina is completely burned to the ground. Everything is gone. You know, there's not a single building that's still up. Every single building is gone. Hundreds of deaths. People lost their homes and I feel guilty just going about my regular, my everyday life. You know, I still get up, wake up in the morning, have my coffee and drive to the gym while people are literally homeless right now going through this painful, hard time. So, you know, Eric, you know, I'm I'm glad that you brought it up because, you know, we have an opportunity to use our platforms to help spread create an awareness and ways that we can help the people, you know, the people of Hawaii, the people that, you know, the unfortunate of what they've gone through, because this is beyond a tragedy. And there's nothing we can do to undo what happened. But what we can do is help. How do we share? How do we spread um, the aloha? How do we spread, you know, ways that people can get involved and help by giving resources, there's drop off locations, even here in Vegas, there's places like where you can go drop off, donate clothes, water, all that kind of stuff to just help the people and start. We need to rebuild this historic town because, you know, it, it's just completely tragic. But yeah, I know it's it's so sad when my when I first heard about it, I was like, you know, when people say it, it's like it's like Maui is on fire and burning down, you know, and it's you're kind of like, what does that even like look or feel like I, I can't understand or comprehend and I started seeing pictures and videos and like, it almost brought me to tears. Like how you just said, like, I feel guilty of where we're at. And it's like, yeah. it's so sad to see these people, you know, affected. And so right now you and I are going to hop off with Alima, right? And yeah. so we'll yeah. be able to uh, help her. I know she put together a fundraiser to help, you know, with, with Maui and what's going on. I think she's up to around 1.5 last I checked. And yeah. so, yeah. It's, it's something, man. So we just implore everybody who's listening, you know, if it's a dollar, ten dollars, hundred fifty, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you can of time, money, resource, yeah. we, we, we just kind of need to come together, man, you know, and just yeah. and try to help where and however we can. 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for, you know, helping coordinate this and, you know, being a part of this because that's all we're trying to do is just spread this, you know. We want the mainstream media to get involved in a positive way of ways people can help and, you know, just just fund this because it's not like this is in the middle of, of Iowa and someone could just drive over from Ohio or Illinois where this is an isolated island. We're still America. You know, we need to help our people. So nice. whatever we can do to get people involved. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, to wrap up this conversation and this interview, I always leave my uh, co-host 
a minute or two to just address the listener very specifically. What are bits of advice, last bits of knowledge that you could leave for everybody listening? We have athletes, agents, entrepreneurs. What's something that you can leave with us today that we can integrate into our lives to, to start you know, tomorrow and move forward? Uh, that's a good question. And uh, again, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your platform, Eric, um, and just giving me the ability to share this, you know, this message I have. If, if anyone's out there listening, and maybe it's just the advice to my younger self, and I would just say, go all in, you know, go all in and invest in yourself. The best thing you could do is invest in yourself. And, you know, don't, you know, what, what's that saying? Like, don't step over pennies and pick up a dollar or something like that. Like, literally, like, you have to go all in on yourself and that's, you know, you, you might, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. Um, no, no, you're good. Keep going, man. I think the time that you spend on, on working on yourself and working on your mind and working on your, your physical health is going to help you so much in your journey. You know, especially if, if you're a young athlete starting out and you have a goal or, or a dream to be somewhere, an NFL player, a baseball player, an MMA fighter, or whatever you're trying to pursue, you know, go all in, you know, believe in yourself because especially in the beginning, you're going to, you're going to deal with a lot of people, even some of the closest people around you, your family members, your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, your husband, um, there's going to be a lot of doubters, and and people are going to try to crush down your dreams because I don't know why we do that to each other. But, you know, believe in yourself and, and take that leap of faith and, and step outside of your comfort zone because everything outside of the comfort zone is, is where the magic happens. And that would just be my advice to to anyone listening. Love it, man. Awesome. Dan, yeah. we really appreciate you. And yeah. all of us as a group are cheering you on you know no disrespect to the opponent um it's all love for everybody involved but you're our boy so we'll be yeah, pulling for you a month from now man and, and best of luck awesome thank you so much all right well thank you guys we'll catch you on the next episode